Welcome to the Ether. Today is Sunday, May 15th, 2022. Today on the Ether, part two of a two part Osmo Luna community space hosted by Cosmos Django and Connor Bronston. Let's take a listen. Does anybody else want to come up and speak or ask questions? I, I think, yeah, I just want to say, uh, I think maybe uh, since there's a lot of lunatics here or not familiar, with Cosmos, I think they might not be familiar with Jay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, so, so yeah, Jay, Jay Kwan is one of the co-founders of Cosmos. So um, a bunch of us worked on Cosmos in the early days, including Sunny, myself. Um, yeah, Josh. So, yeah, Jay, Jay's just, a, just, just the founder, if that wasn't um, obvious to everyone. Sorry about that. I see we've got... Um... Cosmos Vitelli up here as well. Did you have a question or something you wanted to comment? Yeah, c- can you hear me? Yeah, we can. All right, uh, great. Uh, so my question um, is a bit about what Sunny said about, uh, you know, like this world where every asset will sort of be convertible to every other asset, a completely sort of fluid world. But I think at this stage, it's it's a serious problem with regards to adoption, I think, right? Like like uh, what I think what made us like Luna and UST was that UST was in a sense a Trojan horse, right? Because it it looked like like it sort of imitates fiat currency, but it really onboards people to crypto, and maybe in the future we would go into that direction where everything will be exchangeable to everything. But right now, I think you know like. Even for me, as a sort of a crypto native person, um, it's really hard to accept the fact that um, you know, like, okay, I can exchange everything, the exchange and osmosis and, and things like that. But I think like the average person needs to have something. I mean, subjectively, right? Like, it doesn't have to be objective, but they need to have the subjective understanding that okay, there is this sort of stable asset with, with which I used to. Um, um pay for things and and now okay i can do the same in crypto and this way it would act like a trojan horse right uh so i guess connected to that my question is how how would for instance osmosis um undergo some kind of mass adoption right and i don't even know if that that is the case but i think that is the aim right but i think somehow we need we need to aim for that kind of adoption and if if we too early go go in the direction that okay let's I don't know exchange this this derivative of Apple stock for this uh, stable coin that's pegged to energy price you know like it it would just prevent that kind of mass adoption so so I don't know I don't know um, what what you think about that um, yeah thank you yeah so I mean look this this vision of uh, <laughs> how we're gonna solve monetary policy is a 
many year, multi-year vision of like, you know, this is not happening tomorrow. Uh, I think we're, what we're doing right now is building the primitives needed to make that uh, world a reality. Um, yeah, I mean, look, stable coins are needed, right? Like people today need, want to hold uh, risk off assets on chain. And, you know, there was this, there was three camps of how to build stable coins. You have uh, fiat backed stable coins, which are no, okay, there's no way of doing that, uh, you know, in a decentralized way, I would say. Um, it's, you know, has to be done pretty centralized, uh, like, like USDC, um, until, you know, maybe, maybe four ways. Number two is, uh, you know, uh, uh, central bank digital currencies, but okay. Whatever we get there. Uh, number three is over collateralized stable coins, similar to maker, um, like die, uh, those have issues where it's hard for them to get scale. Um, Basically, they they're they're capped on their demand for leverage, basically, in the system. And if there's not enough demand for leverage, there's not going to be enough uh, supply of Dai. And Dai solves this by being effectively backed by you, you know, partially backed by USDC. And like, you know, it's a wrapper around USDC with other assets to help collateralize. Um. And then the last option is the algo stables. And I think, you know, as someone mentioned earlier, I think algo stables uh, definitely need to go back to the drawing board. Um, I don't think, I, I think a fiat, pe a pegged currencies, I think, you know, like I said, algorithmic fiat does not imply pegged to current fiat, right? A fiat is an idea of like, you know, uh, I think the fundamental insight of fiat currency is that you could have a system whose supply adjusts, uh, counteracts changes in demand. So, you know, how do you keep systems stable? If demand goes up, you increase the supply. If demand goes down, you decrease the supply. That's the fundamental premise of fiat currency. And, you know, I think you can build that on chain. But historically, every time someone has tried to create a peg, uh, even like, you know, governments with like actual fiat currencies, it's basically always broken. Um, and so I, I think the best we have right now is uh, sticking at least, yeah, for, for now, probably sticking with the, the USDC and um, and like, you know, allowing things like DAI as well. So that's why, you know, we've shifted over all the, uh, a lot of the incentives from the UST-based pools to USDC and DAI-based pools on Osmosis right now. Uh, just to sort of start building up that stablecoin liquidity, because as you mentioned, stablecoins are important for you know bringing users to the platform. So uh, you know we're we're, we're 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 I think Osmosis is working on rebuilding its uh, stablecoin liquidity as we speak. So there's going to be a there's a lot of incentives on the being put on the Osmo USDC and Osmo Dai pools. Um, this starting tomorrow, basically. Um, so uh, definitely feel free to join those as well as, um, you know, uh, there'll also be external incentives for like more incentives for uh, bridging over more stable coins uh, to osmosis rather than just using the stable coins already on osmosis and LPing them. But like, you know, there'll be 
additional, you know, there'll be information coming about about this pretty soon, but there'll definitely be a lot of incentives for like getting people to to bridge over more stable coins. So, yeah, keep out to look for that. You know, um, before before there was UST integration into Osmos, we Osmo we did have the e euro from e money. So that was actually another native stable token of Cosmos. Um, like, why do you think that did not reach the scale that UST had, and how come that's not a viable um, alternative? Mm-hmm. Um, because the dollar is the uh, currency of crypto, is the unit of account of crypto. It's like, uh, so you know, maybe a lot of you know, but in case you don't, you know, Terra actually had multiple stable coins. Uh, not just UST, but they had other things like KRT, and they also have a Euro version of it. And, you know, we were looking at our analytics, and we we're like, wow, we have a lot of users from Korea. We should add KRT, because um, they'll use it. Uh, no one used it. Uh, it turns out everyone in Korea still uses US dollars. And it turns out, I'm in Europe right now, all of my friends still hold USDC, no no Euro stablecoin. And it's like, uh uh, you know, it's this it's, it's the fact of the matter of the of the world is today everyone wants to hold U.S. dollars, not other things. And you know, I, I mean, in Europe, I, there's definitely more usage of euro because you know some people prefer to hold that. But um, the euro system also had a little bit of had some UX hurdles around it, where it comes from the fact that like interest rates. How how does Circle make money off of USDC? Is they hold a shit ton of uh, USDC in a bank account, and they issue the US they, they hold the US dollars in the bank account, and they issue USDC on chain, but then they get to collect the interest rate on the on on the tokens and their in, on the US dollars in their bank account. Problem is, euros have negative interest rates right now, where uh, you know you actually lose money holding euros in a bank account, and so the e money team, you know. Couldn't just keep swallowing that loss of like interest at negative interest rate, so they actually pass it on to the users. But they did it, which is fine, I think. But they did it in such a way that um, it was like the value of the euro token is not exactly equal to one euro because it has this like built-in demurrage property to it, um, and I think that just added some like UX hurdles for for people. So. I don't know. My theory at least, but I I think that's a, I think that's a lesser thing. I think the bigger thing is more just the there's not a lot of I mean, even if you look on other platforms, right? Like I on like Ethereum and stuff, there are euro stable coins. Just don't don't have a lot of adoption. Yeah, that's e? fair. <clears throat> What's an E um Oh um, yeah, speaking of speaking of Jay, here's 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 Jay Kwan. <laughs> oh, sorry to interrupt. Um, what what's it called again? E e uh, e money? Yeah, was, euro. E euro, right? Okay, euro. Wasn't that fully back? Yes, it is fully back. Okay. The problem yeah, is, I feel like yeah, like the the, mm-hmm. the fully backed ones, like as a category, like attract very different um, um, users, and like I feel like the difference between Luna and and e euro is not so much the the denomination. Uh, or, or the basis, you know, euro versus dollar, but the fact that one was um, fully backed and the other was um, more based on speculation. Like, 
Luna is heavily based on speculation. And I think a lot of stable coins that are not fully backed are based on speculation because um, it's kind of like the property of money that if you have a winning platform, you get to, um, you have the privilege of being able to print a lot more. Um, and, um, and so for a while, until there is a dominant stable coin platform, it's going to be all this like you know, desire to, to, to try to invest early in on the, you know, the, the one that might become most dominant, right? And like e-money or e-Europe doesn't have any of that, whereas Luna certainly did. Well, I mean, I don't think UST holders were trying necessarily to spec to speculate, uh, right? I mean, it, you have to compare e-Euro holders to UST holders. Um, yeah, yeah, but like... Um, Arguably, they were... Wasn't that mostly driven by on. Luna. You know, they may have been like, trying to speculate on unsustainable anchor rates, but that's a different story. Um, well, Luna, Luna's market cap was higher, right, than the UST promo? Yes, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, at the time. Yeah, until it became exit liquidity for UST. Right. Yeah, so yeah, that shows me that it was mostly the, um, the desire to invest into this. Um, so if you're early in Luna and UST becomes dominant, then you make a massive win. And I think that was driving most of the the um, the investment and the attention into it, just from looking at the market cap. Mm-hmm. Jay, um, the, the reason I brought you on is because, you know, somebody had a question about using, like, like some sort of canonical e-token for the interchain ecosystem. And, you know, before the crack, there was... Uh, like you, you, you tweeted about UST being the secondary token, secondary fee token um, for for Cosmos. What were your what, what were your thoughts about that? Mm-hmm. I think um, the Cosmos hub, um, as you know, someone's trying to promote the Cosmos ecosystem, should should filter for you know, it's a whitelist, um, reasonable. Um, uh, stable coins and then whitelist them for fees and promote the usage of them. Um, now, when I was saying, you know, we should we should do that for UST, I was also, uh, if I didn't already say it elsewhere, it's implying that we should do this due diligence. But, you know, so, okay. Um, it, you know, e, um, E-Euro and other stable coins should also be whitelisted as long as they um, pass a bar and the Cosmos Hub should be setting up what this bar should be, um, creating um, specification for what kind of stable coins are allowed to be whitelisted and promoted um, so that we can learn from mistakes and enforce good policy. For example, like um, with Luna, um, it, you know, we should be able to simulate future um, uh, stable coin algorithms and say, okay, it kind of has the same uh, failure scenario. So you need to fix this. For example, they should be pegged from the dollar I think, you know, uh, given their algorithm, uh, I think that would have saved them earlier on. Um, stable coins like Luna need to be able to depeg from the dollar or whatever they're pegging to in you know, order to save itself. Um, collateral, like they have Bitcoin collateral and um, how collateral is secured should also be published. Right? Everyone should be able to understand why Luna is secure. I wouldn't recommend that we, we adopt Luna or UST as the fee token, unless uh, we could be sure that their um, their collateralization strategies. So. 
Yeah, it, it sounds like from what Sunny was saying that osmosis is kind of becoming that de facto hub where there are um, whitelisted fee tokens in any asset that is listed on um, on its AMM by default. Right, Sunny? Yep. You can, yeah, you can pay fees in osmosis in any token that's listed on the AMMs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense um, for for the um, what what it, what Osmos is trying to achieve, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I guess what, what I'm trying to say for the Cosmos Hub, it's slightly different. It's like it's uh, it is trying to what I'm proposing is for the Cosmos Hub to lead the way and in um, defining criteria for what is acceptable for stable points for security. Um, like I, I'm not sure. Um, that this is the best idea either. I just think that in an ideal world, there is a hub that is intelligent and and, and the people who operate this hub like um, understand crypto economics and, and these kinds of attacks that might happen and, and vote accordingly and, and make sure that the Cosmos Hub is making good proposals for consumers for the whole ecosystem. Um, I don't know if the Cosmos Hub um, um, is is going to accomplish this. I would love for it to. I want to steer it to do that. And if not, then, you know, um, it's kind of why there's the no land um, fork as well. So there's another set of um, 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 coin holders that can help create this kind of system. Right, that's Shadow, my dog. Yeah, thank you. Um, do you have anyone else who wants to come up and ask questions or uh, add comments? Yeah, if you want, you could raise your hand and then we'll address speaker one by one. Yeah, the spaces has run for uh, like over an hour now, we're coming up on two hours. So it's been a Zell, it was waiting quite a while, so I'm gonna bring him up next here. Sounds good. Hey, thanks uh, for the opportunity to speak here. Um, I had a couple of questions for Sunny in terms of um, the um, DEX uh, conversations that um, we've been having. And um, uh, Sunny, you were talking at one point uh, to CryptoCito and you were talking about how you guys were thinking about ION as being a uh, basket backed uh, or basket of assets backed um, currency um within the ecosystem is that is there any follow-up to that or is, has that idea fizzled off or where are you guys with that so uh the idea with that was um what i had proposed was actually to create i called it generalized terra where i said hey instead of just making us dollar synthetic assets could we create um, any synthetic asset? Could we create a synthetic Bitcoin? Like, or so you you have a mint burn system where you can burn ion to mint IBTC, ionized BTC, and you can you know you can burn that IBTC back into uh, ions. Um, I was very clear in uh when i if you listen to that and every time i've talked about it even in the post uh this is well you know if you read that post i talk a lot about how i think the terra mint burn mechanism is one of the most risky but interesting experiments in crypto 
Um, I think that, and I, and I said that, I think the ion system is that, but even riskier and even uh, more experimental uh, because at least the system is a little safer when you're only using US dollar synthetic, but when you're using actually uh, any synthetic that can also go up in value, it becomes a little bit more risky actually. Um, and I had proposed that ion was a, you know, interesting asset to conduct this economic experimentation with because it was distributed for free. No one, ha it was done as an airdrop, 100%. Um, and it was just this very experimental community. And I'm like, well, an ex super experimental protocol for a very experimental community. Um, Long story short, I think uh, it's probably not the greatest idea to go build that protocol right now. Um, so, uh, but you know, I think the Ion community, you know, what, what it really, what it really was, was it was, it was that it was a community it started as a sort of a Telegram group and was brainstorming a number of ideas. And I think the Ionized Assets one was just one of the many ideas. I know they were considering things like building a, um, you know, a more maker-like stablecoin. Uh, like, uh, that, that was one of the things that they were considering building. There were, there were talk, there were talks about like, honestly, it's been, it's been a while, you know, it's been a while, but you can go through the telegram bros. I, there's also a Commonwealth forum for ions, commonwealth.im slash ion. Uh, you can take a read through of all the multitude of proposals that are there on what can be built with ion. So, um, yeah, I think I'm sure they will find a way to. Uh, build something cool eventually. Makes sense. Uh, thanks, Sunny. Uh, mm -hmm. One other question that I had was uh, around uh, the idea uh, that um, I, I don't know if they were their own chain or being built on one of the Cosmos places. It's Dao Dao, where uh, it sounded like those guys were working on the governance problem in terms of building out tools mm -hmm. uh, that can be used in various places. Uh, can you speak to that in terms of like, can other chains pick that up uh, within the Cosmos ecosystem uh, or even protocols within chains uh, to use that at all? Or is that separate from the core, um, I guess, IPC governance uh, module that you guys have? Uh, yeah, so, um, so Jake is in the audience, I can see. So maybe if he wants to come up and speak a little bit about it, but... Till then, I can give my understanding of it. So, my understanding, DAO uh, um, DAO is a set of open source like contracts that basically um, have a lot of DAO tooling built in Cosmosm, right? Like you can imagine, like uh, in Ethereum land, there used to be like Aragon and DAO Stack, and there's all these like frameworks were built, you know, easily spinning up DAOs, and DAO DAO is sort of that for Cosmosm, um, and you know has like you know especially the DAO DAO V2 contracts are like much more modular. So you could do it like, okay, uh, you don't use it for like token holder voting, but you could do it with something else. So for an example, like, it, you know, if you actually read the original blog post that was about osmosis, it talked a lot about like LP holder, LP governance, where it's like, hey, parameters of pools should be able to be voted on by the LPs of a of of the pool. 
Um, and so, you know, they should be able, the LP should be able to say, hey, we want to change the swap fee or something like that. And the DAO-DAO contracts are like actually a way of making that pretty simple because of how modular they are. They, I, I can, you could take the DAO-DAO contracts and say like, hey, instead of being a token holder based vote, we base it off of just querying the LPs of the, uh, of, of these pools. And because that, that's not actually a token exactly. So I don't know, there's like, so, so yeah, so that's what DAO-DAO is. It's a series of open source tools that make that very easy. Um, and yeah, it can be used on any chain. Um, it's, you know, big, uh, I think it's open source. I know there was, uh, someone who made a proposal to actually deploy some of the contracts on osmosis. I know the, um, ion DAO, uh, is using a lot of the DAO DAO contracts. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's a, I think it's a great piece of infrastructure for the entire ecosystem. Sunny, maybe you want to talk about the stable swap as well. Um, you know, it makes sense to lead up to that conversation. Yeah, sure. Um, so one of the main things our team had, uh, the Osmosis team has been working on uh, for the last couple of weeks um, was getting a stable swap onto Osmosis uh, ASAP. Um, I think a lot of the work was actually more around like generalizing the AMM module itself, uh, where like we can, you know, have different types of curves. So we can, you know, the same, the interface for interacting with a AMM, whether it's a X times Y equals K or whether it's a stable swap or, you know, whether, it's, you know, we have all these new AMM designs that we've been working on. Um, but so the you know, interface should still be the same. And so we've been doing that. So the stable swap, you know, we, have a version of it implemented. Uh, it was the goal was to have it go on chain or the proposal on chain upgrade proposal on chain by the twentieth of May, but uh, timelines are need to be adjusted for reasons you can imagine. Um, so the so that that should be up pretty soon. But you know the original use case was going to be to use it for uh, USDC to UST swaps, uh, but you know as you, you know, we have more stable coins on Osmosis now. We have uh, we have uh, USDC, Dai are the, the two big ones that are. But there's also like Tether and Frax. There's a couple others that are going to be coming pretty soon as well. Um, and then it's also going to be really useful for uh, you know fungibilizing across the bridged assets. So you can have like you know you have um, let's say like you bring USDC. So our canonical version of uh, USDC is the right now is the one from Ethereum, right? But there's USDC on Solana that's issued natively by Circle, and we we want to have support both of them so that they're at least fungible with each other. Someone can deposit USDC from Solana, uh, let's say over something like Wormhole, and when they show up, it should still like you know be able to swap go into the rest of Osmosis seamlessly right and so that will happen via having a stable swap between the usdc from ethereum and the usdc from solana and then when you're withdrawing usdc it will be like you know how like on a centralized exchange when you click withdraw it gives you like hey where do you want to send this to you is it on ethereum or solana or tron or whatever binance smart chain it'll be like similar for uh Osmos as well so when you say hey I want to withdraw this usdc it'll be like okay which one do you want to withdraw to the ethereum one the solana one and you know these are all just sort of things like around, you know I, I think there's a lot of really cool stuff that we're like 
working on to make that UX really good, especially working a lot with the Axelar team on, uh, on a lot of that. Uh, yeah, so before we get other speakers to come on and before anyone drops off, because it has been two hours now, um, how do people get involved with Osmosis, Sunny? You know, can they join the core team? Can they get grants from the foundation or the community pool house? Did they get involved? Uh, yes, there is a multitude of ways to get involved. Um, you know, the core team, we are definitely hiring, um, especially if you are a, you know, uh, Cosmos SDK or Rust engineer. Um, also, if you are, you know, definitely looking for more uh, front end developers, like full stack front end developers. Um, yeah, and, you know, so definitely reach out uh, if you're interested in working with the core team. And then obviously there's a, you know, a lot of, if you're a project uh, that's looking for a new home, uh, you know, welcome, we'd love to, you know, see if it's the, if osmosis is the right fit. Um, like I said, you know, it is uh, still this governance based system. So, you know, we don't want every single Teradapt coming over, but, you know, we're, we, we would love to chat and like, see how, you know, if it's the right fit for right fit. Um, and so, uh, and then, yeah, we ha definitely have grants that are available. So there's the Osmosis Grants Program, uh, just funded completely by the Osmosis Community Pool. Uh, the, the grants program held its assets in Osmo, which are, you know, a little bit lower than they than they were a few months, a few weeks ago. Uh, but just that, but then also just the number of uh, Terra projects that are sort of in, interested in migrating to osmosis right now we might have to up the re-up re the uh, grants program pretty soon sooner than originally expected but i think that's good because that means that's and sunny on this note i i pinned a tweet in this discussion that links to that grants program so anyone interested just go to the link in the pinned tweet awesome thank you um yeah so um what are some other ways to uh, help out, uh, you know, just definitely, you know, join the community and, uh, yeah, re you know, reach out to Chango, uh, she, you know, to send her a DM, uh, if you're interested in any of these roles or positions or learning about grants or anything, uh, reach out to Chango and also Jim Yang, he's also in the audience there. Um, but yeah, so a lot, I think there's definitely a lot of ways to, or even if you're, even if you're not fully sure what you can help out with, but, you know, you think you have some skills that can be valuable and uh you're excited to build and learn um definitely just reach out and figure something out yeah definitely um so so you know if if there is a fit with ogmo great if there isn't um at the same time you know you you want to be able to leverage all of the like tools and you know, dApps that you've built, um, or just skills that you've built up that are that that are transferable within the Cosmos ecosystem. So we definitely don't want that to go to waste. And there's a lot of resources to go around. So, um, you know, we, we just find a home for you um, somewhere in the Cosmos ecosystem, no matter what, right? So just yeah, yeah just reach out. Also, yeah, I mean, no, if if even if you're just a Cosmos developer, don't have a project yet. Uh, I promise you, our team has a lot of ideas, not enough time to execute on all of them. And so uh, we are always looking for more people to sort of take some of these uh, 
you know, we have some ideas around like, I think DeFi primitives that have not been invented yet that I think someone needs to go build and like, you know, some cool things around like NFT fungibilization. And so, you know, all, all these things uh, definitely reach out and you know, even love to even like, you know, share some of these ideas so other people can start building them. Um, and then also, yeah, you know, we are pretty well connected throughout the Cosmos ecosystem. So, you know, uh, we know everyone. So I'm sure there's a home, you know, the worst thing we want is we don't want y'all to leave the Cosmos and go build on Solana or Polygon or something, you know, stay in the Cosmos. There's a home for you somewhere, whether it's Stargaze or Secret or Juno or Osmosis or uh, building your own app chain. I think, you know, I mean, so one thing I, I think maybe I didn't mention this earlier is one of the goals that I want for the, for, for us, for these dApps being built on Osmosis is, you know, kind of treating it as a little bit of an incubator where they like, you know, just deploy on Osmosis, uh, get this like sort of product market fit. And then when they become like big enough, they can also like spin to spin off onto their own app chain, right? That's sort of the end goal of this is to build up this ecosystem of app chain. So um, if you're interested in building an app chain as well, you know, definitely reach out and help you walk you through, you know, the pros and cons of it and like how, how to go about it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, oh yeah, and um Jay's Jay's also working on a a project as well, probably also looking for for uh contributors. So there's just a lot of um work to be done and yeah, your your skills aren't going to go to waste. You're going to have a home. Yeah, you know, if you write and go. Yeah. If you're a community builder, um, you know, e even if you're not a dev, right? There's 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 a lot of uh work that you could do to contribute to the whole ecosystem. I can I can um, do another community spaces after this talk about uh, no land, but uh, just a plug. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, I think we have more speakers who wanted to come up and ask questions. Um, Diesel, you've been waiting a long time. That's JT. Hey, thanks for hey. letting me speak. Uh, so I had two questions for either I think Jay or Sunny. Um, so I, I read a tweet from Zucky the other day saying that the Agoric VM was better for making a stable coin. I was wondering why that is. And also I was wondering what your initial thoughts are on Hyperfluid. So for those that don't know, Hyperfluid is essentially using LP shares to borrow as collateral. Um, so what, what would be your initial thoughts on some best practices so that we don't run into any kind of cascades of liquidations or anything? Um, yeah. So, uh, so what was the first question again? Uh, yeah. So why? Like, so Zucky work oh, right, right. in his opinion is better for stables. Yeah. And then cosmos. Yeah. Um. So I don't know exactly what Zaki had in mind around that. Um. But you know, in general, I think the Agoric VM has this like different programming model than like most programming systems out there today, it uses this thing called object capabilities, where I would say the simplest way to explain it is it has a system of tokenizing rights over things. Um, so, you know, you can tokenize the right to a ex executing something um, where, you know, let's say 
the right to liquidate a CDP, for example, can be itself tokenized and like treated as an asset. Um, I think it's like a very powerful primitive. It's definitely just something that's, you know, a very different programming paradigm than most people are maybe familiar with. Um, I don't know. I, I would probably leave. I, I think maybe someone from Agoric or, or, or Zaki can explain better what they had in mind I, by that. I have, I have to say something here if you don't mind. Um, and, and, you know, I have to hear from Agoric too, but, um, so look, like Agoric was started by, um, I forget the, um, uh, the gentleman's name, professor started, uh, eCoin way back in the day and like coined the term smart contracts. And this guy's been wanting to create a smart contract language um, <clears throat> that, and, and just applying um, his idea, which generally has to do with uh, asynchronous um, communication among um, you know, independent computers, and is now applying that to the blockchain space. Um, so IBC um, messages obviously have a, a, a clear role to play in, in this language. That is the next generation of E, right, from Agoric. This is uh, um, Mark Miller. Mark Miller, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, look, the um, the object capability stuff um, is is another thing. Like I, I took that language from Mark Miller and said, you know, we need to be um, creating secure smart contracts and applications using object capabilities models, and and that is best demonstrated in the no lang no language, no joke, because um it uses the native language specification of like private you know exported versus unexported fields of structures and methods it's all the same language rules that you can use to develop your smart contract and how you expose things in the language now become issues of whether capability is exposed because you can access it through the native language um through goal um, language so um, if Zaki's saying that like Agoric VM is better than Cosmosm, you know, like I agree because really, in my opinion, Cosmosm is basically in practice kind of limiting you to Rust programming, and it's this particular way of doing it. Um, but it you can see the difference between Cosmosm and Solidity smart contracts. The um, the mental model of Solidity, although it's new, um, it's a new language, um, it, it still has um, overall, it, it makes the platform a lot easier to program because it, it, everything is self-contained and everything is embedded into the language, you know, the language is designed for it. Well, if we have a virtual machine that is designed um, to leverage a good language like Go, um, then you can program your smart contracts with object capabilities It'll be very simple. It is better than Cosmosm. Zaki is right. It's just, you know, you can either choose another new language or you can choose a language that's already designed for simplicity with structural encapsulation and concurrency, you know, with channels. It's go. It's already here. My understanding. Uh, I, I just want to add one caveat. You know, there is ways of writing Cosmosm other than Rust. Uh, I don't know if you, anyone's seen the work that uh, Terrain One has been doing on CW Script. Uh, I think it is going to be really cool. It's more like a, a Solidity style language 
with, which is compiles to Rust that then compiles to Cosm Wasm. So you'll we'll be you'll be able to write like we'll soon be able to write fully functional Cosm Wasm like with with like this very easily used elegant language, and that's fully composable with like the Rust based Cosm Wasm ecosystem already. So you know, I I, I agree today that I, 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 a big yeah. learning hurdle over for Cosm Wasm, but you know. One, I assume a lot of the people, who, the relevant people in the audience here who are thinking about this might already know Cosmosm, but also, uh, you know, I expect Rust will become, or it'll become much easier going forward. The the problem set that I understand permissioned, or, or sorry, um, uh, access controlled smart contracting, like object oriented, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, um, object capabilities, um, smart contracting language, solves is the problem of reentrancy bugs, which was the thing that plagued um Ethereum. Is is that the is that the improvement no. that is going to be hmm? no I, so Cosmosm actually does a really good job at preventing reentrancy bugs. You can check out the Cosmosm docs and they have this whole like section about why the Cosmosm design uh it uses this like message passing system between contracts uh that I think actually does a quite a good job at dealing with the reentrancy bugs. So I don't think that's the that's the reason. So that kind of like that's exactly what I'm talking about. It creates this new message passing format that is an alternative to the native languages type checking capabilities of function calls. So why not just use the native languages ability if the language already supports it? Yeah, and that's what that's what Go offers, uh, or GNU. Um, uh, with the reentrancy right. bugs, like you know um, Ethereum. VM chose a very particular model that combines sending tokens with the calling, um, and, and 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 they overused it. Um, if you just separate out um, the ability to receive tokens and like you know um, have a callback function upon receiving those tokens, then you can save uh, you, you can solve the reentrancy problem um, by by separating that out. And there's like so many ways to do it. All right. Um Diesel, you had another question as well. What was the other question? Yeah, so just everything that's going on in Luna and everything, I was just wondering like how you could not make assurances, but just think about best practices for mitigating <laughs> the risks of hyperfluid borrowing of like LP right. shares. Yeah, so, I mean, that definitely, you know, I mean, you just have to build uh, more safety margins, right? And like allow liquidations faster. Oh, so, I mean, one, one thing is, by the way, you know, you have to be able to liquidate the LP shares, right? And so, uh, you know, the purpose of you, you, if we want, if we want to use LP shares, we definitely want to also allow people to use bonded LP shares. Right. And so this is sort of why it's important to like, whatever the lending protocol is, is like well integrated into the osmosis system. So that way it's like, uh, it'll have like sort of privileged access. Uh, this is sort of how isotonic was designed was it has privilege. It'll have privileged access to break the LP share, the, uh, the bonds basically so that it will be able to liquidate lp shares as well um and yeah i mean i think there's there's a lot of financial modeling work that needs to be done to like figure out how to like uh put the proper safety margins on lp shares but like you know lp shares are consist of two assets and sort of by definition the performance uh of those of that lp share has to be uh, within a bound between 100% of holding one of the assets versus 100% of holding 
the other asset. So as long as both of the uh, constituent assets would have been approved as um, as like collateral types in the lending protocol, there will be a way to like figure out, you know, how to build safety margins for the LP asset as well. Okay, cool. Thanks. Sunny, um, I, I want to learn what are the possible protocols that could be built on top of LP shares, you know, like, like, is there a opening for something like a convex type model to be built on top of uh, LP liquidity? Um, so convex is something I, uh, you know, so, so convex sort of requires something similar to the curve based uh, model, right? Con what convex is, is what, what, what curve governance model is, we're going to build bribery into the protocol, or we're going to design a governance protocol that is optimized for allowing bribery. And so then Convex is a protocol on top that says, okay, we're going to build a protocol that does the bribing. Um, and yes, it led to this whole like curve wars and all that kind of stuff. But like, you know, I don't realistically like, you know, I having the purpose of your governance system be like bribery, base is probably not the right way to design uh, long-term oriented protocols. You probably want to like, you know, you want your protocol to like make governance decisions more strategically than uh, some, than like what the V-curve model does right now. So that's why I don't think the convex model is right for uh, osmosis. Um, but what kinds of things can you do with LP shares? I mean, you know, there are a they're a powerful asset type that can be, you know, I, I mean, I think one of them, like the borrowing against LP shares is definitely like a big one. Um, I was chatting with the Prism team today. Uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of cool things what you can do when you uh, refract uh, the different sides of an LP share. So like uh, if anyone's read like Tarun's papers around replicated market makers, if you like split the, you know, let's say you have an auto atom, let's say you have an Osmo USDC uh, LP share. If you split the Osmo payoff from the USDC payoff of the LP share, you can actually, you know, use those as composable assets in and of themselves and like really to create really interesting like uh, payoff schemes. So um, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with LPs. If anyone's interested in like, ch you know, chatting about them, happy to talk about them uh, offline. Okay, does anyone have any more questions or comments before we conclude the space? It's been running for almost two and a half hours now. It's pretty amazing. Anyone want to tell us your stories, <laughs> your your war stories from uh, this, this whole debacle? I'm late, but I wanted to ask any question. Um, quick one. Um, it's a two-stage question. So, so first one, um, Sunny, really quickly, like um, with Cosmwasm, is that is that um, going to be in, this, in the long run, permissioned or or uh, or permissionless. The goal for Cosmwasm on Osmosis, uh, you know, right now is to be permissioned. Like I don't think we have any plans of making it permissionless. Okay, so here here's here's my question. Um, question is, um, I'll, I'll start with a slight aside. So the aside is, I think permissioned Cosmwasm on a chain that uh, is meant to be a financial hub is even more dangerous than the permissionless one. 
it's permissioned one. Um, it, it's permission because um, the, 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 the WASM contract gives a chain, you know, new features and, and, and it can, you know, uh, potentially break invariances. It can do a lot of arbitrary things in general. Um, and so it's expected to be private, you know, as secure, and that's why you, you gate it with governance permissioning. Um, but how do we prevent um, whales uh, who have a printing machine money with billions and tens of hundreds of billions of dollars of capital from buying up shares of Osmo, um, passing a government's proposal to, uh, you know, enable a WASM contract um, that ultimately ends up destroying the system, kind of like when well, so, I mean, a couple of things here. One, uh, you know, I think Cosmwasm, you know, you mentioned like breaking invariance and stuff. Cosmwasm is actually pretty, very well sandboxed within uh, the, you know, within the Cosmos SDK. So it's not like Cosmwasm contracts can go like, you know, make arbitrary function calls to Cosmos SDK. Uh, modules, right? There's a system in which Cosm Wasm contracts and call SDK modules. So that's like not really the uh, I, 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 that's not really a concern. Um, and like, you know, what's the it, worst possible thing that can you know that could be implemented that destroys uh, the system? Whatever that is, right? And surely it has the ability to destroy the system. Are you talking about like technically or economically? economically sure i mean that's like saying functionality is bad and like look i mean economically ibc like everything in uh in in uh osmosis what like in cosmos is already completely financially interoperable anyways right like the fact that terra ust existed on a separate chain from osmosis did not like mean that Osmosis was not economically like independent. That, uh, that would defeat the whole point of you know IBC and Cosmos. Uh, so like you know, I think trying to use governance to block economic uh, risks is not you know I, I, I don't see how that really makes that much sense because it'll just go deploy on a different chain and still interact with the Osmosis economy over IBC. Um, so yeah, so I think that's kind of not it, and and then also like, uh, you know, throughout the entire Terra, you know, uh, events of the last week, like Cosmosm held up great. You know, all the contracts were running. The entire Cosmos SDK stack has been actually been, you know, I think this was like a stress test of the Cosmos SDK, and it held up like amazingly. I don't. <laughs> If this was on like Solana or something, I don't think the chains would have this chain would have stayed up with the amount of transactions mm -hmm. that were being thrown at the Terra chain, and Cosmosm ran fine. Yeah, the, the software will run fine. Um, it's just that you know, it's it, it's like we're all sitting ducks in a pond, and there's someone with uh, you know a rifle just waiting to shoot us with another ten billion dollars of injection just to prove that they can destroy this thing and, and make an example of it. That's what happened to Luna. I don't think it's enough to say that like Cosmosm is permissioned. And, you know, I think it makes it worse. Um, and uh, well, I feel like we, Wait, as a and as an ecosystem, need to figure out how to deal with macro attacks. I, I don't think that's the purpose of the permissioned nature of Cosmosm. 
on osmosis. That's, you know, the point of it is to build a suite of products that are like well integrated with each other. And so that we minimize the number of dependencies so that we can iterate more quickly at the protocol layer. Like someone performing a governance attack to deploy a contract is like, you know, not the purpose of, uh, no. Uh, of, of what, we're, what we're trying to do. Um, well, yeah. Also, it, it, know, talking about governance, you know, we talked earlier about like, you know, uh, about like, you know, I think, yes, governance and Cosmos needs to be improved. I think council, like, you know, multi-house based systems. And I think there's a lot of improvements to be done there. But I, yeah, I, I don't think that the, the purpose of permissioning Cosmos monosmosis is not that, and like, is not the threat model that you're proposing. Well, yeah, the, the other thing that Sonny alluded to earlier in the spaces was that there's relatively, like there's a constrained set of powers that um, the osmosis governance itself has to, to, to affect changes to the overall protocol. But I guess the, I, I think the um, overall essence of the question that Jay is trying to ask is, um, you know, in the event of an ex existential threat of the perfect adversary who comes uh, to try and take down the cosmos ecosystem, you know, what might that look like, right? Because um, for for Terra, there there was a perfect adversary, and you know, it was a you could consider them a state level actor, you know, because they had near infinite amount of capital and they leveraged, uh, you know, our own systems against us, and they and they de defeated the protocol basically. Um, so, so in that event, you know, how much how much billions of dollars would that take, and what kind of a what what kind of an attack would we be looking at? You know, it, like in in Bitcoin, um, it's it, that that answer is pretty pretty objective, right? Which is which is uh, anybody who could who could uh, get more more hash power could could rework the chain, and you know, it's X billions of dollars. I, I think it's like you know over ten billion a, a a minute or something like that. You know, I didn't fact check me on that, but um, you know, like what's the amount that it would take to take down the the, the IBC ecosystem? Right. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the osmosis is a proof of stake based chain. You know, it follows the same token, you can, you know, security system as other proof of stake based chains. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think like comparing the attack on Terra to an attack on like a proof of stake system is, you know, these are two fundamentally very different things, right? One was a Econ one was an economic attack on a fundamentally broken, like, econ DeFi primitive, right? Like, that wasn't right. an attack on the proof-of-stake system or, like, an attack on the security of a of the network. Right, and, and Terra's specific application is is money, so the, the adversary wielded that mechanism against uh, Terra. Yeah. Correct. And but I, I think the point, though, is that it's showing that adversaries on that level are lurking and willing to yeah. make the effort to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, look, uh, so this Cosmos, like what's going to end up happening is security is going to, we move towards like a, a world of shared security, right? Where like, you know, all the chains in the Cosmos network are going to be like sort of securing each other, right? It becomes, you know, uh, you know, like the, the Cosmos Hub will allow atom holders to secure, 
you know, uh, atom economic state to help secure other chains. Um, like, uh, eventually what's going to end up happening is you end up building this like mesh model of security where like chains are all securing each other. We have this thing called interfluid staking that we're building, which is a way of allowing liquidity on osmosis to help secure the economic value of the liquidity on osmosis to help secure other chains. So, you know, I think it, think of it like alliances, right? Where you have these like network of chains that are like sharing security, like like a system like NATO. And that, you know, I think that, that's like the long-term how, how this like plays out. Like each chain will help each other basically. I, I guess my response to that would be the chains will, in the case of Luna, you know, all the chains like Cosmos Hub is going to say, well, you did that to yourself. So I'm going to make sure you reinforce what you wanted, you know, like, um, you know, I, I think what, what, what is needed in this space, because we're dealing with, you know, things that are, you know, systemic risks, you know, and, and have to do with people's livelihoods. We need to figure out how to um, ensure that there's separation of concerns, that um, a hub, a, a, the Cosmos hub or a DEX hub doesn't also um, have too many other responsibilities, such as like, you know, having um, having too much flexibility in what, uh, how its functionality can change through governance, because that's another avenue of attack if the uh, if the people who want to attack the system to hostile investors buy up Osmo and then affect governance, they can destroy it. Um, same thing with the Atom. Uh, with Cosmos, Cosmos on the hub, they can easily buy Atoms, um, uh, do something that destroys um, the you know something, some expectation, and a lot of peg coins can be stolen, and and they will do this um, you know uh, sporadically until until the the, the the playing field is leveled out and there's no one left except their allies. And this is what they've been doing for hundreds of years. Um, so I just want to reemphasize that I, I, I don't think the approach that we're collectively taking as, as the cosmos community is safe. I think we have to be more um, cognizant of the differentiation of roles uh, in the ecosystem. Like interchange staking is not enough, you know, and we have to consider these macro attacks and do whatever we can to prevent future attacks. Uh, thanks very much. I'll leave it up to you. Thanks, Jay. I actually think Jay's spot on that we we need to talk more about this in depth, um, particularly as we've seen like the scale of what can happen. Like I'll, I'll say for myself, um, my failure with uh, evaluating like Terra Luna risk was uh, failing to imagine the like like the failure of imagination, right? Of thinking like, oh, the, the amount of capital it would take would be so astronomical as the system has grown and not, no, not realizing myself the risk as like the three pool uh, moved to the four pool happened, which then lowered the amount of capital they would need to have. That said, it was still an astronomical amount of capital they brought to bear. Uh, and so I think us like considering these really like potentially massive moves that can be happened, that can happen to attack the system and potentially knock out, uh, you know, even individual members of the IBC, but that affecting the whole through that uh, is, is something we have to do. 
Yeah. So um, the, the the conversation that we've always had in Cosmos was was worrying about existential threats at the chain level. Um, but what we're seeing empirically is that it, it's it's actually happening at the money level, um, you know, which, you know, it's like Terra was its own layer one. And for the longest time, it didn't even open up IBC connections to other chains. Uh, and so the, the like theoretically, we're saying that well, if in any case there's a sys- like systemic failure to that chain, well, it would just be contained within that chain. But no, it took down the entire crypto ecosystem um, because of the scale it was. So, so I, I think what we are going to see and what we have to really factor in is these um, like economic concerns because because li- liquidity attacks seems to be um, like a, a a big factor. Uh, that that we should we, we as a space need to watch out for in general. Another, another thing I think uh, we tend to gloss over um, is the sheer magnitude of some of the leveraged positions on centralized exchanges that uh, you know where we don't have access to that order book, and you know you can have situations like uh, a minefield being built where someone puts in a massive sort of like um like you know leverage long position that's meant to sabotage you know the you know and create actually a cascading liquidation scenario uh on purpose in order to take a counter position elsewhere and benefit from it so there's all sorts of weird situations and if you look at the liquidations that happened um you know, some of the whale alerts you get and whatnot during this recent sort of event with Luna, you'll find that there were gargantuan long positions liquidated um, on the way down that were, you know, like they're sort of under the hood or the shark under the water that you don't see. And when the shit hits the fan, it sort of really hits the fan. <laughs> so, um, you know, that, this is my concern about kind of the stable coin systems as they are, not just uh the ones we think of but also including uh tether and usdc and the reason is because there just simply isn't enough cash liquidity if everything in crypto exits simultaneously right this is this is a separate problem and the assumption is that that won't happen but you know if it gets big enough there may actually not be enough like liquidity even on centralized exchanges to move to fiat if a crisis sort of were to occur. So everyone should be cognizant of those kind of like crazy risks too. Yeah. I mean, so the thing you mentioned about like, uh, you know, one of the things I think that makes DeFi so important, right, is uh, there's two pieces. Well, one is privacy, but I can get into that later some other time. Uh, But like uh, the other is transparency, right? I think that like, which sounds sound like almost an opposite, but they're not. Um, but like the like you know, on a dex on chain, everyone can see exactly how much global leverage is being taken on. Right, you have transparency into the system. In in uh, you know the two thousand eight financial crisis, no one had any visibility into how levered the system was. No one could see that. Look, AIG was exposed to the very assets it was supposed to be insuring, you know, and it's like, you know, I, I think the point of DeFi is to bring this stuff onto a transparent system where alarm bells can be 
rung faster. Uh, and, you know, DGEN's going to DGEN, but at least uh, we can see where the risks are building. The, and yeah, another the thing issues... that... oh, go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, adding to that, the, the issue with that is there there is a an attraction to building a sort of daisy chain of, you know, DeFi apps on top of one another such that like secondary and tertiary order effects get really confusing to, to reason about. And so that's kind of the cascading effects that we're seeing when, you know, and, and when somebody does recognize an existential threat, it becomes more profitable to exploit it than to put on your white hat and say, hey, uh, this is happening and uh, you should fix this. And, you know, with, with the case of Luna, somebody did outline exactly the moves that the adversary would make, um, but it fell on deaf ears, you know, so. how, how do so we it's, yeah. it's interesting you mentioned that um, because I think who you're referencing here is Freddie Reynolds, who was actually listening to the spaces earlier. Um, and there was a lot of backlash from the, the Terra community towards him for, for outlining some of the stuff. And I'm, I'm sure folks have seen by now, you know, Doe quote tweeting him saying like, basically, Hey, you like, let them try, like, we're going to do this. And I'll say that something I've had to kind of grapple with, uh, the last week since all this happened has been, um, excusing some of the leadership behavior coming from from doe and, and terraform labs that was very arrogant and um i think led to some stifling of debate and uh the kind of inability to be self-critical uh because although, they although, were going so although fast. connor i would i would say that like there is in politics and war there is an amount of sort of like I would say sort of bravado and playing chicken that is sort of part of that process. Absolutely. So for example, like if the founder, you know, who is available doesn't counter statements, uh, then that can undermine confidence immediately and cause a calamity in a system before it even happens. I, you know, perfect example of this is since I'm, um, you know, I, I get involved at like a national level with dealing with, say, you know, viruses, vaccines and problems like that. Right. So if we have a pandemic or something that arrives next week, let's just make some situation up. Right. Um, it's not really clear, like what is worth saying and what isn't, because you can create the same exact panic and fear uh, if you're informative and if you can and you can create another type of panic and fear if you're not informative and it doesn't really matter what you say, because at that point, like, um, you know, you're, you're sort of stuck. And I think what jump capital and these other companies sort of realized was that, you know, that some of those arguments were actually valid. And I think that's the reason why this, the LFG organization and all that was taking place. I think you could argue about whether that should have been telegraphed or done like in secret, but no matter how you do it, someone's going to be upset, right? If you're transparent, you can't fully go to war, but if you're not transparent, you can't rally your forces to go to war, right? You see the problem? So I think this is 100%. More a question of like art of war problems. And I don't think there's any real actual answer to this in the, in the course of human history in a deterministic universe. Like there, this will never have solutions is my point. Oh yeah, this is a very philosophical and, discussion. Yeah, it's us, very philosophical. Sure. And I think, you know, when it, that's why I was talking about earlier with Cosmos, you know, in my view, 
like the chains need first and foremost a constitution and make determinations of what are the actual bill of rights you start there and everyone enters that sort of uh, position or that space with sort of like a uh, series of risks outlined and you know it, it, and at the at the very least you sort of like understand in the sovereign uh, nation you're entering what are the sort of like rules people are going to live by when it comes to governance proposals voting whatever the process might be and i i don't know that in the course of human history in thousands of years anyone has figured this shit out i mean like let's face it we, we have a war going on right now try. right there's people have been trying forever certainly but um but even the most like democratic, the most authoritarian, the most whatever your political view is or whatever you think, however you think human relations should be run, everybody goes to war with each other at some point or the other um, over something. And um, uh, how to deal with the situations of actual malignant actors and warfare at these large scales, which are going to happen, right, with that kind of money. I don't think anyone knows what the right answer to that is. And this is a real separate like like the war room problem or like the set, you know, the you having like some sort of secretary of defense for the chain, um, you know, how to deal with that is not really clear. Yeah, Sophie, I'd, I'd actually really love to, I, I don't, I know we're really running long here, so I don't want to take too much time on this topic, but I, I'd love to have a more in-depth discussion with you on this because I, I think it's really worth us kind of game planning out and thinking through more because like, to be honest, I, I agree with you overall that like, yes, like we have to think about this as nation states, A, because we're on that capital level in some places now, and B, because we're really trying to recreate financial and political systems uh, in a new era. But I, I do think it's worth us having that self-examination, right? Because, you know, there's, there's an important conversation to be had about, you know, did Doe's attitude kind of pervade our community and what like, okay, great. We need a leader who's going to answer to things, but was the manner was approached. Uh, did that affect how others like, you know, you or I kind of perceived or reacted to, uh, you know, people who are, had you know, valid criticisms or conversations. So I think we need to like evaluate these different things and, you know, the community has to do a little navel gazing here. Um, because obviously like mistakes were made and, and like we can have a conversation about whether that was more of like a war room problem and like, okay, like this was always going to happen here. Are the, like the key decisions that should be differently, you know, you mentioned transparency or, you know, the way they migrated to three pool, three pool to the four pool, or just being aware that an attack could particularly start on like Binance where they could really drain liquidity there. There's a lot of like tactical decisions that should be discussed, obviously. And I think a lot of people are having those conversations, but we do need to have this philosophical conversation and and yes we i don't know that we can solve it but i mean there's a reason it's an ongoing conversation and the last thing i wanted to say really quick was um you know about these exchange attack vectors what osmosis did is you know 100 percent of the supply is on chain so like something that i would like to see more is you know having most or all if not all the supply on chain and just completely breaking away from sexist but that's just my opinion yes no i i'm actually really with you sonny i I think our reliance on sex is a, is a huge issue for the the overall crypto ecosystem. Um, it's one of the reasons I really like was like very bullish on on Terra was they were adding some uh, positive like on ramps and off ramps like Alice uh, and Outlet that were enabling folks to transact directly just in the ecosystem and within DEXs like Astroport. I was so uh, ready for Alice. I, I was really uh, ready for that. Same. 
I, I, I was like, I was really excited because, you know, I'd had Alice, I'd just gotten Alice set up. I was now able to like bring Fiat in and off the chain. Uh, and, you know, I could, I could basically do everything I needed to within the ecosystem, uh, like a couple of weeks before it collapsed. And I was, I was stoked, you know, like, yeah, I could, you can, I would mention that, like, I, I know it's easy to, like, you know, shit on TFL or, you know, whatever someone did or didn't do. But the reality is, is that, like, uh, com- from, you know, back in back from the early days of, like, selling video game gold, you know, <laughs> until now, I would say that, like, the most adoptable platform on this planet up until now, with had, with, without the system, I mean, if you subtract the systemic UST risk scenario, Let's say you had that system functioning. Let's say there was, let's, in, in fantasy world, let's assume that UST would work. Um, it had the highest probability of mass adoption of any system, any L1 in crypto today, period, end of story. And there is nothing that still comes close, unfortunately. That's why I think these conversations are so important. Um, nothing just like to the point where like, you know, yeah, my, my, you know, 80 year old dad or whatever is going to jump on and start using this. Um, like that, uh, you know, you could argue that the horse came before the car or whatever car came before the horse this time around, but, um, uh, that vision of adoption and ease of use and the ability to get like people to, you know, it's like that iPhone moment, um, was sort of where we were at. So it wasn't like the exuberance yeah. for Terra was purely based on, you know, Doe's hubris or some other oh, nonsense. Totally. The reality like, was that we we actually actually enjoyed using the system. We really did. We loved it. I mean, Seth, yeah, what I would say is like the like we we got very caught up in it and the excitement of it for good reason. And it's a lot easier for us now in retrospect to say, oh, you know, TFL and I, and I'm doing this myself. The, you know, TFL should have handled this differently. Like maybe they shouldn't have been as transparent about how they were using LFG funds, or maybe Doe was too brusque with critics. But it's it's a lot harder to be the builder, the person who's founding it, who's who's doing all this and and building this system that worked, as you pointed out, incredibly well. So uh, totally with you on that. So the question is, is the nail in the coffin for Algo Stables? You know, it, it sounds like you're, what you guys are praising is the house that was built on top of the sand. The question is, can the house still be built, but not on, on sand, <laughs> but maybe on concrete? I think a lot of the core UI UX um, elements, um, uh, uh, with the assumption that, again, we're making another massive assumption that long-term circle is going to be safe. And number one, that it's not going to be deemed a security, which essentially it is at this point by any kind of like rational SEC guideline. So we're, I, we, we do risk the possibility of building yet another house on sand, because um, all of the f- there's nothing about the UI UX elements of Terra that cannot be replicated or made even better. We had lots of criticisms there too that could be better and better, right? Um, I, I think the my my lesson from this would be that in that the, it probably starts somewhere in in sort of governments and risk um, governance and risk analysis and putting all that together and creating like the constitutions that are needed. And then ultimately, um, a system that does not rely upon sort of one liquidity um, arrangement like USDC. So if we believe in decentralization, it would almost be decentralizing of everything. You, you do want multiple viable DEXs. You, want, you do want, multi, besides even osmosis, you'd want uh, multiple viable um, liquidity sources and pools. Um, and and, and you, you'd want to be kind of like monitoring for 
this um, sort of systemic risk. And, uh, you know, the, some of the best um, examples of this in life happen in biology and living systems and ecosystems. And, um, you know, like the planet works pretty good until like, you know, a comet hits it or some shit. And, you know, most of life is going to get killed off and only a little bit of it survives. So the idea like in decentralization there is that, well, the bacteria under the crust of the earth will be fine or whatever. Right. So the, the concept here too, has to be like, what parts of the ecosystem have to survive if an attack vector were to succeed and you know, something bad were to happen to say USDC that I think these kinds of um, things have to be addressed. And I think what ends up happening is, is, um, and it's easy to like call hubris, like whatever Tara did. But the reality is, is that you ultimately have to base your faith somewhere. Because if you don't have faith in anything, then you don't build anything, right? <laughs> so, and, and on the other hand, if you build something and a lot of people lose money and the system crashes, well, that creates like uh, an impediment to further growth. So um, this Darwinian kind of approach is, is great, but notice that in a Darwinian approach, it took life sort of 5 billion years to get humans where we are now, right? It's not, it's not a fast process by any stretch of the imagination. Can I, can I propose? Yeah, that's, that's, ab that's absolutely well put. And, and, and I'll add one takeaway um, before we call up other speakers, which is, you know, it, it's very uh, productive that, you know, us as a community is talking about this and trying to solve for it. Because, you know, if we don't self-regulate, then the, you know, external regulators are going to come in and chances are they're going to put up some sort of regulation that is counterproductive for the entire space. And then they're going to impede innovation. Um, so, so it is the, the onus is sort of on us to kind of figure it, figure it out because we're, we're the most well-equipped um, for this, right? Yeah. Which is like, yeah, it, it, it wasn't until the UST collapsed when Janet Yellen comes here and says, hey, we got we to gotta look at this closer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to mm -hmm. second that um, and, and, and propose the framework that I think we have to adopt, um, the best thing to adopt. So and it's a framework, okay? And it's, it's, uh, I've never spoken about it, really, but it's, here's the first time proposing it. Um, and it, it's like this. So, um, first of all, I think we need to split <clears throat> the pegging of assets from the implementation of the, of the stable coin. So that the stable coin is defined in terms of, like, an underneath um, uh, <clears throat> a set of uh, lower tier tokens. And so the stable coin is stable against uh, one or a basket of these things. And and I think um, we need separation so that like 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 um, instead of Terra say um, being responsible for the uh, Bitcoin peg, um, instead of like lumping all of these risks into one entity that that we all need to trust that they figured it out, if we split them out into independent entities and say okay well here's another company um, and they they have uh, maybe their a, a well-known uh, industry player, and they also have Bitcoins and they want to provide a peg, then the stablecoin should use that token and prefer to use that. And we should be promoting tokens that are like modular in this way, right? So I think uh, there should be a Bitcoin peg, someone who provides a Bitcoin peg so that the stablecoin on top uses it. I also think, uh, and so, so, you know, it's Bitcoin, but also we should consider um, other tokens too, like the Atom token or GNOT. Um, or, you know, other tokens to be stable against. The other proposal I want to add is to, is to make this hierarchical. 
um, there's going to be some strange shit that we get into as we develop these systems and stable coins are stable against each other. And there's this like circular dependency. So why don't we prevent future disasters from the start and, and, and think about it in terms of hierarchy. Um, another point is the last one I want to propose is I think we need stable coins that are more rigid in what they um, <clears throat> set out to do so that, so that instead of just relying on governance, um, we should be programming the, these as like smart contracts more so, so that we know and we can rely on what it's going to do. Um, and uh, one aspect I'd love to see in future implementations is uh, the ability to be like long-term more floating against uh, say the dollar or whatever you're picking to. Because in this situation, we saw an opportunity to repeg the UST to 70 cents um, and preserve most of the market cap of Luna. And within 24 hours, that opportunity disappeared. Um, if we learn from this and prevent future situations like this to start off with, it'd be a lot better. Thanks a lot. Thank really you, quick, Jay. If you, if you haven't checked out Reflex or, or do that, it's, the control theory is really cool. Thank you. So Jacob just came on and he wanted to speak. Hi, Jacob. Hey. Um, so, I, you know, I, I missed a, a large portion of the earlier discussion, but um, since we've got a bunch of brains here, I just kind of want to ask, in terms of Cosmos contract platforms, are we aiming toward, like, specializations? So, for example, you know, Juno isn't is everything goes, right? Osmo, we, we got the permissioned model, and I actually was saying to a friend today that I feel like the focus is going to do really well for osmosis. Conversely, I also think the everything goes is going to do really well for Juno. We have secret with the privacy, and we have Gno, which, hey, Jay, I'm, I'm really interested in the social stuff. Um, but I suppose if we're sort of following this, you know, easing the transition for members of the Terra community, and I'll, I'll share my opinion. I kind of think chain's dangerous right now. Um, you know, what do you guys see in terms of, are we looking toward more general platforms? Are we looking toward, even I was thinking the other day about like an interchain contract standard. So we have IBC allowing the chains to speak. and. Uh, on top of that, additional things could be created that allow contracts, you know, written in different languages uh, to interact with each other. So I'm going to kind of throw those ideas out there and would love to get comments. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked a bunch earlier about like, you know, what and the role of like permissionness in Osmosis's co version of Cosmosm and the product that we're trying to build and why we went that route and also the types of dApps we're looking to uh, attract, you know, really more focus on the DeFi side of things, more focus on like this like suite of products where, you know, we don't need 10 lending protocols. We need one great lending protocol that can be integrated well into the suite. Um, so yeah, I think there's. Uh, sorry, what, what was the exact question? Ah, so so when we're when we're seeing chain, so a chain comes up, right? 
chain, let's say, is the computer. On top of the chain, on, on the computer, we run programs. And I think that chains are kind of starting to specialize. Um, one that I'm kind of thinking of is like Secret Network, for example, um, which, you know, implements privacy with SGX. Um, and, you no, know, is specialization good, harmful? Um, and, yeah, what about Secret, for that matter? Yeah, specialization is good. I think, um, you know, focusing in on different use cases, um, you know, Stargaze, for example, very focused on NFTs. Um, Secret, very focused on, like, you know, using SGX for privacy, which I have my issues and concerns with. But, um, yeah, so I think, like, different different network. I think I think I think specialization is always a good thing. I think we need specialization within governance. Like, like I'd love to see uh, <clears throat> Osmo um, and, and Cosmos Hub say, like, um, have the sh- stakeholders vote for, um, say, two different bodies. Um, one is responsible for um, ensuring financial <clears throat> security, say, and looking out for systemic risks um, and, and vetoing changes that might come through. And the other is responsible for, um, say, uh, proposing new changes, or 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 maybe it's the development team, right? And then and then the shareholders, the stakeholders, token holders, whatever, through governance can change these bodies, um, but um, but otherwise these two bodies are responsible, um, and, and this will prevent like the governance from being used as a, <clears throat> in a hostile way. Right. Um, and people can see, oh, these two bodies that have been doing a good job so far are completely fucking out. I wonder what's going on. Right. And then everyone can be ready to uh, reorg and fork the chain if necessary. That's very true. Um, I, I, I have wanted to see chains with a little bit more like leadership hierarchy. At present, um, you know, I think it's a miracle that the governance works at all. And, um, it's actually surprisingly effective, I've got to say. Like, despite the uh, you know Twitter hellfire that it can bring about, um, I think that it serves the intended purpose very well. But like having specialized groups with the authority to make decisions on behalf of the chain, I think would cause things to go more smoothly. I think that does open up some centralization questions because we 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 do see chains across the board having different governance structures, right? With Bitcoin, it's completely leaderless uh, and it's so far not been broken. Uh, but but we also have seen chains that have really strong like cult of personality control like Luna. And, and you know, we, we're, we're seeing different outcomes. I'm not I'm not saying that uh, chains that have really strong personalities are going to fail, but um, but there is also merit to chains that are leaderless, uh, you know, have maybe more decentralization, sometimes takes longer to get things passed, similar to Bitcoin or Ethereum. But there's also merit to, you know, moving fast and breaking things. Just generally. Yeah, I'm hoping to see a blend. You know, that, that like my, my desire here is is to see a blend of strategies, some of them fully leaderless. Hell, Bitcoin practically kind of tries to encode anarchy. Um, and I love it, you know. And um, 
also, I suppose it's more like the more specialized and more focused the chain is on a specific thing, the, the greater the degree to which like leadership centralization could be appropriate. But these are, these are like tough and super interesting questions. Yeah, you, you know, I think I think what's useful here for further discussion is providing a framework for how a chain governance works, which is in every single chain, the paradigm is that like this is Charlie Lee's metaphor. Actually, he I, I believe he's the first one that coined this, which is. There's a legislative branch, um, which is the core development team. They write the code, right? But the, there's a judicial branch as well, which is the miners and the validators that actually run the code and pass it. And then there's an executive branch, would be which would be like the founder, for example. And if not the founder, it would be the users, like in point. And so if there's like a sufficient check and balance in between these three branches, then a chain is said to be sufficiently decentralized uh, and robust enough to handle um, like state level attacks at the governance level, you know, but if it's a highly centralized and, and you could point to like one or two people in um, that paradigm that decides all three branches, then, then that's also an issue. Yeah, go ahead, Sonny. Hey, um, I just want to say, I actually have to jump off in two minutes, uh, another thing to get to. Um, but yeah, just wanted to say thank you guys for having me up and, uh, you know, it's been a definitely a rough week for I think everyone. Um, I think some people definitely hit more difficultly than others. And so you are definitely make sure you take some time for yourself. You know, money is money, but you know, health and stuff is way more important. So, uh, you know, take, make, make sure you take time for, for, for your mental and physical well being. So, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you know, if you, I meant, I mentioned it earlier before, but you know, if you are looking for a new home, whether that's for a, project or a for your yourself or uh you know definitely reach out uh happy to see if like you know working with us on osmosis or on osmosis or is the right fit or otherwise we can you know there, there there'll be space in the cosmos for everything so yeah thank you everyone thank thanks you. so much yeah. for joining thank us you, Sunny. Sunny. great having you yeah great insights um, yeah, and and just to reiterate again, if if you're looking for grants from um, from Osmosis, or if you're looking to join the core team or anything, uh, feel free to message me. Or you know, if you're looking for anything else, if Osmosis is not actually a fit, then um, yeah, feel free to message me and point you to the right person. Uh, you know, if, if you have like an NFT and you want to launch on Secret Stargate, whatever, yeah, just let me know. Um, you, you know, there's there, there's a home for you somewhere, anywhere in the Cosmos ecosystem because it's so huge and it's ever expanding. So, um, yeah, just just don't get too um, dis disgruntled by what happened. And you know, it, a bull market is going to come back again strong, um, and even at a larger scale in the future. So, um, the the stuff that you're going to be building through the bear market today is just going to it could be the next, you know, blue chip NFT or fungible token in the next bull cycle. So just, yeah, don't don't leave. <laughs> Keep building. It's a grind. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, everyone who's who's just Thanks. been here for the entire three hours. <laughs> it's it's been a really great spaces so far. And yeah, we have these recorded, so um, we'll be posting this online as well in the future. Anyone else have any final thoughts to say? Yep. 
if not, I think this is a good place to include the spaces. It's been uh, a, a very long time, and I'm sure everyone needs bathroom breaks. So, I, I just want to well, say thank you so day. much, everyone, for listening, and, and and thank you for organizing this with me. This has been an absolute blast. Yeah, thank you, Connor. This was this was such a great thing for us to coordinate on. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for for coming. So, uh, yeah. See you at the next one. Jay, hopefully, hopefully we can see you in more spaces. This was really fun. Oh, likewise. Thank you for having me. That's y'all around. Yeah, you, you guys, you, you, the Luna community is so special. We've got all the Cosmos OGs here to to um, cast a safety net for y'all. All right, bye everyone. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was part two of the two-part Osmo Luna Community Space, hosted by Cosmos Django and Connor Bronston. Recorded on Sunday, May 15th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep it hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Laser beam focused, starscream jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back. With the cliffs at our backs, make the last stand matter. No one ever planned for the famine on deck. We was walking all erect with a dead man swagger. Sitting in a little den, envision in the middle men. Listen to the fatal man play a little ditty then. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble billion. Little Dan envisioning the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next No one gave a shit Till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter We was all hyped up When the pedal lit the metal He just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime Till the night curfew Rats in a cage Till they make time to murk you Got a little job That falls under my purview We gotta get this mob Away from the birds you gotta find cover wipe off the bird poop right off the work while you try on the worst juice blinded by perps who try to reverse truth slide like fox news just trying to lie to you eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants i can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis mock up a basement could call me resilient waiting for the internet to make me a billion Vision in the middle men, listen to the fiddle man, play a little ditty then, talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze trying to make the next billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze trying to make the next billion. Channel spaces.